When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Right. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Um, it's <laughs> Pat and JT, or unless this is your first time, thank you for the very first time. Yes. Um, it's Pat and JT, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, before we move forward here, just gonna tell you we've got a really special interview today. And um, we'll talk more about uh, Blake Collingsworth. Uh, in introducing him, his wife, Kathy, uh, and their little boy, Joshua, are central to the story and how, and they're right, they're local. They're, they're in Lincoln. They're, yeah. they're local. And this story, I, I mean, in this area, we're in the midst of summertime. It's about water safety. And, and honestly, this story moved me so much, and I was so glad that we got to get him. But their initiative basically has become a, uh, a primary role or purpose in Rotary International, which I know I've talked about my Rotary Club before, um, but it is a worldwide program, and you're going to hear the story of how it came to be. Um, but Blake, Kathy, and Joshua Collingsworth coming up next. The story right after we remind you, this weekend is finally here. We've been talking about this for a couple of months. Uh, Cruising for a Cure Car Show, which is uh, supported by Centrist Federal Credit Union. Actually, they've been with it for the entire, what, 14 years? I think it's been mm-hmm. thir- 13 years, and they missed two years because of COVID. Right. So this is your first year back, and they're very excited about it. And we got to hear from Mr. Shapiro himself yesterday talking about how it came to be, and, and uh, we were really fortunate to have him on and talking about what they're doing there and, and an opportunity for those free PSA tests for prostate cancer um, to uh, maybe indicate somebody needs to go check in with their doctor. Um, I'm just happy that there are no fingers involved. No. It's just a blood draw. Well, you don't have to roll up into a parking lot and... <laughs> Yo. I'm glad you no. didn't add I'm so glad you didn't point that out to I, Jeff. No, I figured it was probably obvious to okay. him. Just, just, just happy right? about that. Yeah. So that's coming up this weekend, and that again is on Sunday, uh, the seventh of August, and it starts at ten o'clock in the morning. And they're gonna be having the test, I think, from ten to two, and the show is from ten to three. But yep. great family day um Food, overall. Cookies, all that kind of stuff. All that so stuff. Yeah. Yep. Plenty of good things going on. So thank you, Centrist Federal Credit Union. Love having you as a partner on the podcast. That's right. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I know you mentioned uh, Blake to me earlier this week in the office about his kind of his story and his background. I'm so excited to meet him and talk to him about it. So we have Blake Collingsworth with us today. I had the opportunity to hear Blake speak recently and it was at my rotary, which I love my rotary so much. And, and I know I'm, I'm such a honk for it. You but. are a rotary honk. <laughs> but um, had an opportunity to hear Blake speak. And he's a member of Rotary also in Lincoln. And um, the story and the uh, foundation and the resulting, um, gosh, the results just in general from this entire experience is amazing. And it's so moving. Blake, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast Happy to be here and able to talk to you guys and uh, have your audience. Absolutely. Absolutely, Blake. Go right ahead. And uh, I guess I I don't know the best way to introduce things other than to to just hand it over to you because we have an audience of 
uh, families. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is uh, kids that have grown up with us and it's kids that now have kids and it's, it's parents and grandparents. Um, so this message is going to resonate with them regardless. Okay. Well, if you want to interrupt me, just let me know. You bet. Oh, trust me. She will. <laughs> I've been at this uh, 14 years in June. So I do have quite a passion about our story and uh, what we need to do as a society. I'm a home builder by trade, and uh, my dad's a retired home builder, so I've been uh, on the construction business my whole life. And my wife and I built a few houses, started out with a real small one, kind of worked our way up, and then we finally were building our dream home here in uh, Wilderness Ridge in Lincoln. And we wanted to have a really nice back backyard with a pool and a great place to bring in family and socialize and and just enjoy that space and uh, we have gotten that done and and lots of family have been coming over and barbecuing and and really enjoying it and uh, you know it's kind of like on this hot nebraska day like today if you have a pool you get a lot of people that want to come over and enjoy it <laughs> and this particular day was uh, early in june and we had a bunch of people over and we were enjoying the pool and a lot of people got out and others were coming over later and we decided to, uh, we were going to barbecue and Kathy and I were in the water with Joshua and I got out of the pool and I said, actually said I was going to go get my camera and take some pictures and I couldn't find the camera. So I looked out the door and I, I said to Kathy, I said, I can't find the camera. I'm just going to stick, um, get out of the pool for a while. And, uh, so then Kathy got Joshua, out of the pool and put them in the playroom in the basement and came upstairs to start preparing some stuff for the barbecue. And I was uh, up in my office at the front of the house. And then my brother-in-law was coming in with his uh, daughter's has cerebral palsy. She's in a wheelchair. I helped him bring her in. And, and then uh, we came and looked at something in my office. And all of a sudden I heard my wife say, uh, have you seen Josh? And when you hear that, you're as a parent, when another parent says, have you seen um, one of your children, you, you get a lump in your throat and your, your heart skips a beat. And it was literally seconds later, I heard uh, just this blood curdling scream come from Kathy. And so I just bolted out the door of my office and she was heading down the stairs. So I was, we went bolting down there together. I, and I don't know why I just headed. And then we saw the back door was open in the basement and we ran out toward the pool and I knew he must've been in there, but I couldn't see him. And I said, where, where is he? And she jumped in the water and he was on the deep end, uh, floating face down. And she jumped in. I was actually able to reach Joshua from the edge of the pool. Mm. He was right on the edge of the pool. And my brother-in-law was uh, right there with us. He was running with us as well. And we pulled him out, brought him inside. My brother-in-law is medically trained and his wife is a respiratory therapist. And they both started CPR on Joshua right away. Um, we called 911, seemed like forever before they showed up. Um, when they were doing CPR, he did respirate and coughed up a lot of water. So I was thinking, okay, now he's going to start crying. You know, that's what you mm-hmm. see in the movies and that's what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me the EMTs arrived they uh, they worked on him and Kathy rode with him to the hospital and I followed behind him and I 
couple of minutes behind when I got into the uh, ER, the memory of the faces on the EMTs and the doctors um, did tell me the news wasn't very well, but you don't realize that at first. So the doctor said, we got him breathing. He's on a respirator. His heart's beating. And we think we can do more for him in Omaha, Omaha Children's Hospital. So we're ready to fly him over there. Um, on, and so Kathy asked if she could fly with him. And they said, if you can hold your closure, you know, we need to be working on him. We can't have two patients on this helicopter. You have to keep your composure. We know this is difficult. So she Mm. Omaha, and then I drove up uh, with another family member and I remember again that time arriving at the pediatric ICU at Children's and seeing Kathy she was laying in the bed next to Joshua hooked up to all these uh, tubes and hoses and everything and the doctor came out and I said how's he doing doc and he said there's no hope um, which was I mean, just like a sledgehammer up against the head. Thought he could have handled it a little gentler than yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. I didn't know if you were paraphrasing or if that's how he said it. That's pretty pretty insensitive, I think. It was very insensitive, and it was very to the point and blunt, and I don't know if that's wow. just your bedside manner, but he's probably better off not in a pediatric ICU. He's probably yeah. better off maybe in a, a older unit or something like that. Yeah. I'm not, I never wanted to speak to that doctor again, and I told the nurses – and the other attendings, and I never had to. Good. And so um, I thought I handled it very poorly. The nurses told me there always hope. And the nurses and the rest of the staff at Children's were unbelievably great. I mean, they were mm. fabulous. We spent the next three days doing every test possible, brain tests, brain scans, um, all sorts of things. And the neurosurgeon, the different doctors came in, and they just said, you know, at that age, they lose oxygen for just a few minutes, and the damage to the brain cells is so dramatic that, you know, recovery is virtually non-existent. So they said, we can keep him here indefinitely on ventilators and feeding tubes and those types of things. But in our opinion, as far as this is ever going to go. And so Kathy and I had to make the decision to... Um, let nature take its course. So that accident happened on a Sunday and on Wednesday, mid morning, we took him off life support and see if he could survive without that. And his brain did not have the strength or the capability to operate his vital organs. And he slowly breath started shallowing and heart started slowly and about 45 minutes later, he passed away in our arms. Wow. Uh, we had about 30 family members there in the room with us. So um, the hospital was very, very accommodating, very kind. And when we had made the decision that we were going to take him off life support, we did talk to Nebraska uh, Organ Doning. Because mm -hmm. even at that point, we said, you know, if we're going to lose him, maybe he can save some other lives. Mm -hmm. There's lots of kids out there. And we do know that three of his heart valves were used. Um, and some of his other organ tissues were used to help other children. So that was good. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but we, we drove home that Wednesday night and there was actually a tornado warning and I drove right through it. Didn't really care. Yeah. I said, if 
if we're going to have all this happen to us all at once, I don't believe the odds are going to do that. And there was a tornado touchdown in Waverly. We drove right by it on the interstate. Um, so, I mean, we were literally, our minds were in a storm. We got home in that night. And the next day I got up and I looked out at that pool and there was a water gun in the deep end, which I know wasn't there that day, that morning when we were in the pool. Cause it was, uh, Joshua's older brother's Connor's water gun. Connor wasn't swimming with us that day and or that morning. And Connor wouldn't let Joshua play with that water gun. So I had I came to the assumption that Joshua got out that back door and he saw that water gun and he went to play with it. And it needed water. So I believe he probably bent over to fill that water gun and tumbled, mm-hmm. fell into the pool. And at two and a half, he did not have the resources to uh to help himself. And so, you know, I, I just, I was so frustrated because I built the house, you know, and, and I felt responsible. I'm the dad. I'm supposed to protect your kids and your family. And, you know, I was pretty mad at myself, obviously, and torn up. And then I, I started getting online and I started doing a little research and I was appalled that the number one cause of unintentional death to children one to four is drowning. Wow. It was that way 14 years ago, and sadly, it's that way today. And the second leading cause of unintentional death to children under the age of 14 is drowning. Uh, first is car accidents. But one to four is drowning. And we just found out this year that actually uh, it was somewhat tied with birth defects from one to four. But because of technology and medicine and the advances we're making, uh, birth defects have gone down and drowning has now taken the, the number one spot for unintentional death for children one to four. Wow. And so I, you know, as I, I was looking at this problem and I said, we had, a, we have a pool cover that just wasn't on because people were getting out of the pool and, and going to be coming back to get into it. It should have been covered even if it was only for a few minutes, but it's kind of one of those things um, we had gate latches. We had high locks on the doors. I even had a security camera on that pool, but it was kind of before the new com- cameras that you see today. Uh, and it was tied up with uh, the local cable company, but the filter wasn't even working. And so the camera wasn't even on. It's just, it was just all those different things. And I said, well, you know, what in the world? Um, toddlers are so fast and they get out of your sight so quickly and they have such curiosity. And I said, how, you know, what else should we have done? And it dawned on me that one thing that we weren't doing as a society is we weren't educating our kids about something that could be so dangerous to them. And we talked about how fun water is and, you know, enjoy bath time and all these different things, but we don't frame the importance of being safe around water. And I said, well, you know, why, are we not doing that? We spend so much time talking to kids about don't talk to strangers. Look both ways before you cross the street. Don't touch that stove. It's hot. All the different things because we want to keep them safe. And we're educating them from the minute, minute they can understand what we're talking to them about. We're working to educate to keep them safe. But you don't hear that with the conversation about water. And it's the number one cause. What are we doing as a society that we're missing out on that? So... I, did, I said, well, I'm going to start 
And I know one way to really engage kids is through a character. They love Barney the dinosaur, the purple <laughs> dinosaur. You name all the different characters that they fall in love with. And they listen to them better than they listen to their parents. I understood that from having two boys. So um, I started looking around online a little bit and I, I saw a, a video of otters holding hands and floating in the water. And I said, I started doing a little bit more research on otters. And I said that an otter is a perfect character. Mm-hmm. I know when we went to the zoos, kids are lined up with their faces up against the plexiglass, watching the otters play and swim. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just, they love otters. So I said, this is the character. Also finding out that otters are born in a den and their mothers literally drag them out of the den and into the water to teach them. <laughs> so they're not born in the water like a fish and, you know, they don't naturally float like a duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an otter made perfect sense. My wife and I had to go on a plane trip, fairly quick plane trip about a month later. And I pulled out my old iPod <laughs> back in the day and I started one finger typing and the story of Josh the baby otter is a story about a baby otter whose mother, Claire, uh, takes him into the water to teach him how to swim and first to learn to float on his back. And, and another otter named Alex swims up uh, and starts talking to Claire uh, from in the raft of otters. And uh, they develop this relationship to teach Josh how to back float. And uh, Alex's buddy, Austin comes up and helps. And so the whole story is to engage children to understand the introduction to water. What does it mean? Um, You always have somebody with you and then you're excited to want to learn how to swim, how to float. And then once you do, you always swim with a buddy. And it's, it's intent is just to create a fun message, a fun um, concept for just children to understand and reframe. I don't go around the water by myself. Water's fun. We love it, uh, but we need to respect it. And it's something we do as a family. It's something I do with mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or somebody else. I don't wander around to the water by myself. Um, and then I want to get excited to learn to swim like Josh or float like Josh. Mm-hmm. But when I do, I don't do it alone. That's how the concept came about. And, um, you know, it's, it's been unbelievable the response that we've gotten from children, grandparents, parents, um, all over the United States. And the, where we really became fortunate to try to expand and grow that outreach and that message that we were trying to create was the very first year um, in April following June, we lost uh, Joshua. In April, we went to a national drowning prevention conference in Miami. And Kathy and I went in and we didn't know what to expect, but I said, I've got this book. We printed a thousand copies of them. This is the answer. And um, so we were going to show it to all these drowning prevention experts that were there and try to um, get their opinion, see how we would go from there. And we ran into this big, tall, um, white haired gentleman who was there as a, uh, um, advisor to the conference. Cause he's a retired rear admiral on the coast guard. Mm. And I told him the story and he said, you're 100% right. 
and as we spend most of our time talking to parents about how diligent they need to be and all the different things that we need to do, why aren't we talking to kids about water safety? And we've done such a great job with seat belts and, you know, children automatically are put in a seatbelt when the day they leave the hospital. So it's second nature for most kids growing up to use seatbelts. And we talked about doing that with water safety. So Admiral Underwood said, I have one way that I think I can get this out in my community, which was Merritt Island, Florida. I'm the incoming Rotary president for my club. There is 12 members and we give dictionaries to fourth graders every year in our school district. But sadly, too many fourth too many children aren't making it to fourth grade in Florida. We're losing way too many to drown. Wow. Because I'm going to take your book back and I'm going to talk to the schools and we're going to go in and we're going to read the story and we're going to talk to kindergarten students about water safety. And then we're going to send them home with this book and ask them to share the book with their little brothers and sisters and their mom and dad and share the message of what they learned that day. And so that first year, 2010, they bought 250 books. They went into all the classrooms within, around their um, uh, Merritt Island, and they did exactly what Admiral Underwood said he was going to do. And the response from the school and the teachers was so great. He challenged the presidents around him that he met on a regular basis to do the same the following year. And he talked to his district governor. Uh, and then uh, that next year, it became 750 copies. And as the story goes, it was like a domino effect. We were invited to Rotary International in New Orleans in 2012, I believe it was. And we met a group of uh, Pakistanis mm -hmm. that said drowning is a huge problem in Pakistan. Can we print this in Pakistan and distribute it there? And, and so we had the book translated in Urdu. And we sent the digital files and they printed the book in Pakistan and distributed a thousand that year. Um, since then, we are in Alaska, we are in Key West, Florida, we're in uh, New Brunswick, Maine, San Diego, California. We've covered all four corners of the United States. We're into Canada through Rotary. We're into Jamaica, Bahamas. Um, we've shipped books to military bases in Japan. And uh, we actually have a mass, we have 88 mascot suits and we're making 10 more. And we have one in residence in Australia and we have them all over the country. And last year, uh, we had distributed over 500,000 copies of Josh the Baby on. Wow. That's incredible. Um, COVID has slowed us down a little bit because we're trying to get this message through schools. But we even had some, some very, very innovative Rotarians that said they got, they just said, we're going to sit around as a group and we're going to mail them to the kids that are on the list that are homeschooling and have their mom and dad share the story with them. We want the kids to get the book. This last year, they doubled up a lot. They, uh, instead of just doing kindergarten, they did first grade because they missed some of the kids last year. Mm -hmm. But um, it has been a, a triumphant, amazing story what Rotary has done for us. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be have more admiration for the organization and the group and the individuals that Rotarians are. They see a problem and, they, and you tell them what's going on and they say, okay, how can we help? What can we do? And then 
And if you say, well, I've got an idea, great, let's see what we can do to, to make that happen. And the really nice part about it is the kids laugh. They have such a good time, especially when they meet the mascot suit and they talk about it for weeks. The teachers say that's all they talked about was meeting Josh the Otter. And I, I get, I talk to parents and they say, that's all my kid wants to read for, for a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really, it warms my heart. Uh, that little boy um, has done more in two and a half years than most people do in a lifetime mm-hmm. because he created this. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for him, um, you know, I, I never would have been doing anything like this. So mm-hmm. uh, he brought out the best in me literally. And what's cool is he's brought out the best in literally thousands of other individuals that have helped us spread this message. I just, I, I literally sit here thinking about how you and your wife were able to, it's just incredible to me that you, you, you saw what needed to happen and you were able to, with a clear mind, do that. And, and it was just like, you were determined that you were going to do it, but I can't even imagine less than a year later that you were in that position where you were meeting with uh, the, the rear admiral um, less than a year later and, um, and, and being able, it had to be so healing, but it had to be also just like a, a double-edged sword you know, trying to move forward. There was a lot of discussions of us going to um, support groups, therapies, um, working and talking to people about our grief process. I talked to a lot of people about their grief process. And I helped start an organization called Families United to Prevent Drowning. It started out with six families who had lost a loved one. Now we have 80 members in that group. Wow. And, um, you know, we're all about trying to solve the problem, but we're also there for each other. And I, when people come up and ask me, how do you handle grief? I said, there's, there's really no one special mm-hmm. way to do it, but I, I'm a, I'm a fixer. That's my personality. And I'm only, t- I'm a home builder by trade. So I'm always tinkering around the job sites of how can we do this more efficiently? How can we do it better? If there's a problem on the site, Let's not keep doing it the same way. Let's figure out a better way to do it. Let's do it mm-hmm. uh, um, more efficiently. So that's, that's kind of ingrained in my personality. Is if I see a problem, I want to fix it. But it was my therapy, for the most part, to concentrate on a way to have something positive come out of this. Um, and I didn't want to move on and forget about him. Oh, no. I, I didn't want to say that was – we just had a bad – thing happened to us and we're going to move on with our life and I'm going to just, you know, say bad things happen sometimes to good people. I could, I couldn't just leave it at that. I also did because I didn't want to forget about him. I wanted him here with me just like I do my other son. Mm -hmm. And this way he's with us every day because constantly every day we're, we're communicating with people about this and then what he started. So he's with us every day and it's been a really good therapy for me. It was tougher for my wife. You can understand the mother. It was tougher for her to get down this path. But I know today she'll tell you the reward of seeing kids laugh and smile and hearing them tell you what they know. When we hear grandmother say, my seven-year-old grandson was lecturing uh, my three-year-old granddaughter about water safety and what he had learned in school the year before. 
we know we're having an impact. Yeah. 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 And those, awesome. those types of anecdotal stories are so heartwarming. They really are. It is. I, I love the whole, just to get back to the otter, the mascot, that story and talking about how otters, how they are raised. There's the videos. You see the videos all the time of them floating on their back, holding hands. Um, or the baby otter with the mama, you know, and they're, they're learning how to float. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that otter rhymes with water on top of it, and it, it, it's adorable, and they're playful, and they're like children. Um, it couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, seriously, the book is amazing. Um, and I, I, I want everybody to get one. <laughs> I want everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I, you're right. This is something that should have been addressed long ago. It, the fact that it made it to the number, it's number one. And being the number one cause of death in, the, in those circumstances, um, it's just, it's crazy that it hadn't been addressed before in a more serious way. Problem is there's such a stigmatism to drowning. A lot of people don't even want to think about it, even personally, yeah. because it is a very, it's a very bad way to go. Um, it, it's a scary thing. You know, it's one of those that makes your nerves jump or raises the hair on the back of your neck to think about it. And then if you can't talk to a parent and they say, I don't even want to think about my, yeah. to, you know, and so if you say, I don't want to think about it, how do you then talk about it? Good point. So I've been, and I, I have as a stigmatism. Most parents, most people think if you've lost track of your child for three minutes and that's all it takes, oh, that, that you're not a good parent. Right. That's the and other that's stigmatism. Yeah. But that's not what this is. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not about that. Things can happen so fast with kids and what it, it just, it's nobody's fault. It just, you know, I've never been a fan of, of water. I mean, of pools, whatever, but I've never been a fan of lakes and rivers and, and from the time my kids were little and a lot of people have kind of, said that I shouldn't be doing this to my, to my kids, but I'm like, I really preach to them the dangers of rivers and lakes specifically. Um, and, but I, I realized that by doing that and over preaching on that, I really kind of ignored the pool, the swimming pool side of it. And, you know, they were taught to swim really young, but still it doesn't matter, you know, and ignoring the pool side versus the lake and river side was a huge mistake. And I think a lot of people probably make that mistake not to focus on that. And the rivers and lakes are so unforgiving because mm-hmm. the water's not clear. And you're right. And then we spend, sadly, statistics, more children die in pools than they do any, anywhere else. Wow. But, you know, a few years ago, we had a little boy, he was visiting grandma in Auburn, Nebraska, and she said, go in and wash up for lunch. She went in and he wasn't there. He was four years old. They found him in the farm pond. Mm. That's part of the reason when I looked out past our gated fence pool, fenced in pool and all the things that we're working on, yeah, he got to that point. But beyond that's 30 water features on a golf course mm-hmm. yeah. and they have, they have, they have dragonflies, they have rocks you throw in them. I mean, that's when I realized this isn't just this body of water problem. And if I fill that pool in, it, it, it's not going to change this. We have to, that's why we have to change our thinking as a full blown society of how we discuss water, how we go about it. We, you know, we want to make it fun. Everybody needs to drink water, bathe, mm-hmm. and those different types of things. But we have to refocus. I'd love to have every person learn to swim. And if, if an individual is, has formal swimming lessons, they're 88% less likely to drown. Mm-hmm. And that's game changer. Yeah. And the second part of what we, when I looked at the problem with Joshua, was he was two and a half. We had had a couple swim lessons with him. Um, but we weren't anywhere close. We weren't in a big hurry because pediatricians said four years old mm. back in that day. That's when they're capable of doing stroke lessons and stuff. 
And I did some more research and I found that children actually can learn as early as a few months old. If they go in the water, they can hold their breath, flip on their back, get oxygen and air and float on their back. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Like an otter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I started seeing these lessons that were being taught primarily in Florida and California, some of these other places. And I looked around, we didn't, we only had one place in Nebraska that was teaching that technique. Mm. And I said, we we got, that's ridiculous. We got one place in the city of Omaha teaching it and she fills up so fast and the lessons are so expensive that there's only a few kids a year, you know, in relationship that are getting these lessons. We need a lot more to get these lessons. Yeah. Wow. So we started talking to the, our Lincoln Wise, and we got a program started in the Lincoln Y. That was about two years into this, and I named it Float for Life. And we started teaching these classes. We, we gave the, the Lincoln Y a $10,000 grant. They brought in an instructor from Arizona who had experience in these types of techniques, and we developed our own here in, uh, in Lincoln at that Y. Since then... Um, We've opened our own facility a year and a half ago. We have our own water and we are teaching uh, 450 lessons uh, every two weeks in our facility. We have five different instructors and we had just had an instructor from Florida come up yesterday or two days ago and did training to take the program back to Florida. And then uh, three days before that, we had five instructors from Fall City, Nebraska Wow! to teach. Uh, technique we're all about you teach someone how to fish you don't give them a thing Mm -hmm. so we want as many instructors to add this to their swim schools four is great but let's get them in at six months if we can let's get them started as early as we can earlier you start a child learning anything the quicker they pick it up and the better they become at it it's like learning a second language so right is the kids that you see learning this it's unbelievable um one other, I don't know what our time frame is, but one other quick thing is uh, there was a story about an autistic boy uh, that was on uh, Channel 7 did a story about him. He'd wandered into a, a, a detention pond yes. twice yes. and he had to be saved two different times because he was attracted to water. Autistic children are attracted to water. Mm-hmm. The number one cause of death to autistic children mm-hmm. is drowning. They don't understand the dangers and they they're so attracted to it they just go in some think it's because of the water pressure mm. uh, they're comfortable with others think it's the reflection of the water there's there's a lot of different components but the uh, president of the autism fan network called us up and said you guys have this facility can you help us and we said we'll do whatever we can and the results that we're getting with uh special needs and autistic children in our facility are unbelievable and the parents are telling us they're learning um, so quickly. They're sleeping better at night. Their attitude's better. We're getting responses from parents that say, my child is more verbal wow. than they've ever been. And they're typically a completely nonverbal child. So the water is a therapeutic component for these children, but we got to keep them safe when they're in. Right. Yeah. And so, um, we've been, we've been training, uh, working with autistic kids here now for about the last four or five months. And the results have been unbelievable. I got to go back real quick when you were talking about 
the fence and then realizing what's beyond the fence, all the dangers that are outside mm-hmm. the fence, those fences, because the fence, you know, that's a law. You have to have your, your pool fenced in. That's you, you have to do it. There's kind of that false sense of security. Well, I did what I was legally supposed to do. Um, and so we should be safe. And, and I see what you're saying because there are so many other dangers that are out there that are not fenced and they're just part of nature um, that it does kind of, lead you to, you know, maybe not complacency, but you feel like I did what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So we're good. And, and I can, I totally get that. Um, and that's a great point to bring up because, you know, kids out in nature, like you said, there's fireflies, there's frogs, there's fish coming to the edge. You know, I mean, all these things that attract the kids to come in. And if they're not taught to respect the water, they just, they follow instead of stopping and taking a beat and thinking about it or having the skills to get themselves out of any situation. Um, it's gonna, it, no no wonder it's the number one cause of death with kids under four. Um, let me just to, to, to help people get more information and to find out where to get the books and is there a website they can go to? Do you take donations? How are you funded? You know, what, what can people do to help you continue and to uh, get, get their hands on the book? Well, if you Google Josh Yotter, you'll find us where uh, there's <laughs> a lot and there's a lot on there, uh, but our website is joshyotter.org. We're building a new one right now. It's in process. Uh, we'll have, hopefully have some more exciting things on there we um but you can google us and get information there or go to the website josh yotter yes we do take donations we are a non-profit uh 501c3 and uh my wife and i this is our volunteer work along with our rotary work that we do and um we, we make a little bit on the book but not a lot by the time you ship them and everything you can buy them on our store on the website they're also on a- on amazon um but we also have a free downloadable app that's called Josh, Josh, the baby otter. So if you go there, uh, if you want to go there right now, right when we get done with this conversation, get on your iPad or your, or your phone and pull it up. You can, and it has a read along, has a sing along song, has a pledge that you can share with your children. It even has some coloring pages that they can color with their finger and you can print out the coloring page with Josh the otter. So, Super. We don't want anybody to wait to get this message to their children or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, downloading it right reach now. Out. I'm downloading it right now as we speak. Josh the baby yeah. otter. It came right up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but absolutely I'm going to share it. And and we just wanted to, to share your story. Um, and, I mean, I know you've, you're spreading it far and wide and have been for 14 years. But uh, it's, it needs to be repeated. Obviously, you got a new group of kids coming up every time. But you've covered a lot of territory. You think about some of the kids that started with you 13, 14 years ago, uh, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And now they're in their teens and passing on that same message. And I'm sure for the parents, too. So it's just it, – it is – inconceivable the number of lives that you have quite possibly and, and really in reality have saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You don't know somebody didn't drown. I right. mean, that's you right. know, or didn't because you changed their attitude. And, you know, we stated before, um, Pat, that, you know, if you slow them down, because a lot of people say, Oh, kids are going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you're right. But if Joshua would have thought two or three times before he went out there to play with that water, that should I go get mom or dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should I or shouldn't I? Yeah. Maybe if when we found him, when we discovered he was missing for those few minutes, maybe he had been standing next to the pool with that water gun. It's literally a matter of moments. Yeah. You can change that time frame 
and get them even to think twice, that that can be enough to save their life. That's it. I've yeah. heard that story before. So, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with giving a child a book to learn to read either, right? There you What's go. wrong with that? That's right. You're right. <laughs> That's right. You're 100% right. Blake, thank yep. you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, and appreciate I, we, I appreciate you guys letting me tell our story and hopefully getting more people interested in, in uh, learning this and expanding it. We need Josh Yotter to be like Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Yes. Yep. When you see that character, you need to just completely understand what it is. Uh, if most of your audience is from Nebraska, I don't know if you know this, yes, this year we were approved for the first and only water safety awareness license plate. Oh, cool. And you get a license plate uh, on the DMV website that has an otter on it and it says, be safe around water with Josh the Otter. And uh, it costs cool. $5. And the money goes to the Nebraska Game and Parks and they're going to funnel some of that back to our organization. And if you want to get a personalized one, you can do that as well. So we have to keep, uh, I think, a thousand plates a year in order to keep that viable year over year. So we hope we can get people to help support that. And it's a cute plate. The um, I think next year the design is actually going to have uh, our our logo, Josh the Otter, on the plate. So we're we're really excited about that. And we hope we can see those plates end up driving in cars going to Wyoming and Florida and all over the place. So that's you can help us out with that. We'd appreciate it. You bet. That's that super cool. is fantastic. Congratulations on that. That's that's super. That gave me kind of gave me goosebumps when yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that is that's awesome. I love seeing that's it. That's the first one in the United States we know of that it's a cause plate for water safety. Wow. And so we're pretty proud. Yeah, Definitely. I would be too. You guys have done an amazing thing. And uh, the takeaway from this for me is that you, when you said that in his two and a half years, he's done more than most people have in their whole lives. Mm. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you should be proud of your little boy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Am. Yep. Great. Blake and, and your, your wife, Kathy, you guys, it was great being able to meet you guys and uh, a chance to talk to you and see you speak. And then so thankful that you were able to come on our podcast. Um, tell Kathy hi also and best wishes and continued success. Thank you very much. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's crazy. <sighs> I mean, it's just like, ah, oh, the the whole story just gives me goosebumps. So when I think about it and how much they've done, I know I and I, and and the fact that we didn't know anything about it, right? And it's just down the street. Fourteen years, and, and not only when I lived in Lincoln, Wilderness Ridge is where our some of our best friends live. We were there all the time, and nobody. And, not that we know everybody in the neighborhood, right. but it's like it's in the area, and I never heard that sort of having kids that age. It's never heard the story before. It doesn't make any sense. No, I'm so glad we got to talk. Unbelievable. To yes. So, um, all the links that we talked about are in the description of our podcast. If you have any questions or anything, just uh, you can slide into our DMs. It's Pat and JT. Um, just click on the description for all the info. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Pat and JT podcast. Huda Media Production.